It's my joy and privilege to be able to welcome you here today to worship. Thank you for being here. It's a time of celebration, a time of communion together, and we're glad that you've joined us. Thank you for being here. If you're a guest, we welcome you, and I'll remind you, as I have every week, that we have a gift for you as a first-time guest out on the Welcome Center. I think we have some gifts this week. Uh, maybe a little different than what it was before, but the others are coming, so uh, you can trade them out if you want to later on. How about that? But we are glad you're here. We're glad you've chosen to worship with this church family today. If you're joining us by live stream, we welcome you as well, and we pray that all of you, uh, live stream and live, we pray you feel God's presence as we worship him in spirit and in truth. Why don't you take a minute to stand and greet those around you and let them know you're glad they're worshiping with you today. Now you join as we sing together, Because He Lives. God sent His Son.
we do stand in his love, you join as we continue in worship together.
Thank you. You may be seated. What a powerful and beautiful message. And we believe today that God is able. Would you agree with me that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us? And we are so grateful that our fear doesn't stand a chance when we have faith in the Lord our God. And we welcome you here today. We welcome the Holy Spirit in this place. If you are a guest or if you're watching from home or vacation or wherever you may be, I want you to know today that God is with us wherever we are. We would love to see you here in church, but we know that God promises to be with us wherever we are. And today, maybe you're in a difficult place. Maybe you're in a, a stage of grief, or maybe you're here and and you're going through financial problems or struggling with addiction or battling temptation or dealing with some plaguing sin, but know that God meets us right where we are. And all we have to do is place our faith and trust in him, and he gives us his supernatural strength that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through our difficult time. So this morning, I'd like to invite you, if you're here to come join me at this altar for a time of prayer. You can stand, you can kneel, you can stand from your uh, seat, or you can pray if you're watching, wherever you may be worshiping today. But I invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Would you come pray with me today? May we pray together. God, we bow humbly before an almighty God. You're the only one, Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And Father, we just ask that you would forgive us when we take our eyes off of Jesus because we know that when we turn our eyes upon you, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. When we seek first the kingdom of God, and your righteousness, you add or give all these other things unto us. And Father, we come with grateful hearts, thankful hearts. Lord, I pray today we would have hearts of gratitude for everything you've given us, most of all, your son Jesus Christ, who died a criminal's death on a cross so that we might experience life. How could we Thank you enough for your mercy and your grace. God, there are people at this altar, people praying from their seats, people praying, God, watching today, and they're struggling. They're dealing with pain. They're dealing with grief. They're dealing, God, with depression, anxiety, fear, or some sin, Lord, they're struggling with. We know we're not exempt from the problems of this world. But we know, God, that through Jesus Christ, you have overcome and we can overcome. Lord, we pray for many families hurting, grieving, struggling today. Father, we lift up the Wisman family and the loss of Gloria and ask that you would comfort and strengthen them. Father, we pray for folks that are in the hospital, folks facing surgery this week, would you anoint them with your healing power and strengthen them? Some, Father, as they're getting older or dealing with unexpected health issues, give them strength, God, for these challenging days. And Father, we pray for salvation today. If there are people watching or in this room that have never given their hearts and lives to Jesus, may they come to know you today. As our Lord and Savior, we pray for revival and spiritual awakening. God, we pray for our young people that face so many challenges, whether it's in high school or college or middle school or elementary school. We pray, God, that they would know sometimes they feel like they're all alone as they stand up for you and in their faith. 
May they know they're not alone. Give them the strength, God, to fight off temptation and be bold in their witness. And God, know that you will bless them and protect them and strengthen them through these challenging times. Father, I just thank you again for this church, for the love we share, for the blessings you've brought us. And ask now that your Holy Spirit would continue to move through the music and through the message. And Father, touch each of our hearts that we would be drawn closer to you. We love you, Lord, and thank you for loving us. And we pray all these things in the strong and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 12? And so grateful today that Bill Adcock will be coming to speak for us. And uh, Bill, I appreciate your willingness to speak. Uh, we were out of town uh, over the weekend, and I had asked Bill a week or so ago if he would mind uh, preaching today, and he uh, graciously accepted. So be in prayer for Bill as he comes to speak in just a few moments. Be in prayer for the choir as they come to sing. But we'll begin reading out of Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 38. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasures. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Join me as we pray together. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I always appreciate the opportunity, Todd. Thank you for asking me, and I'm happy to share. And today, uh, this passage of Scripture uh, is about, really about faith and generosity. It's not as much about giving, but about faith and generosity. And the brief time that we have today, I want to examine some of the lessons that we can take away from this story. Just to give you a little bit of background, Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem early that week, the week of Passover, and he was teaching in the temple. And as you well know, he was just a few days away from being crucified, and he knew that. He knew what was coming, but he did not let that silence him. He didn't let it silence his voice as he confronted the hypocrisy of the religious leaders and the teachers in the synagogue that day. He challenged them to put the needs of the people above their own. And as you heard in the scripture reading this morning, and it began with this opening passage, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important, have most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets and festivals. They devour widows' homes and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. The priests and the teachers of that day, they loved recognition and they demanded it. They loved being known as holy men and adorning themselves in the beautiful robes. They took advantage of people and as teachers, if, you, if you've read the scripture and understand it, as teachers, they could not be paid for what they did, but they could accept gifts. So they manipulated the people into giving them gifts because they felt like they deserved it. They taught that giving gifts to them was one of the most important things that they could do. Now, isn't that quite ironic? They were the teachers, and they were telling them, teaching them that give the teachers the gifts and adorning them with those gifts. It's kind of ironic that they would do that. So it seems that in this passage of Scripture that Jesus decided to take a break from teaching and confronting the Pharisees, and he sat down at the temple treasury, which was a place that was between what they called the court of women and the court of the Gentiles, where people gave their free will offerings and they paid their temple taxes. And there were 13 receptacles there, and those receptacles were, they called them trumpets because they were kind of like in the shape of a trumpet. And the worshipers were expected to put something in all 13 of those receptacles because each trumpet supported a portion of the work that went on at the temple. And each would walk over to the treasury and announce how much money they were contributing and place their coins in the trumpet. In the trumpet. And the bigger the gift, the louder the coins were as they went into the trumpet. And I'm sure it got the attention of a lot of people when they would hear those big coins and those big offerings going in. And I'm sure that they were paying a lot of attention to that. I doubt if anyone really noticed the widow mentioned in the text today. She had two small coins, and that's all she had. She had two small coins, and the value of those two coins were less than what less than the penny that we have today. And perhaps no one would have noticed had Jesus not been present that day. Jesus took notice of her, and he was moved by what he witnessed as she put these coins into the trumpets. He was so moved that he called his disciples over, and he told them what happened, and went on to say that this anonymous widow was the biggest contributor of the day. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And as I read this passage and studied this passage this week, I wondered why she would do this and why Jesus would single her out and why Mark even included this story in his book and I think there were many reasons, but I want to share with you today what came to my mind as I read and studied this passage of Scripture. And I think the first question to answer is, why did she give those two coins that day? I do believe that it rested on the fact, number one, that her faith, 
and the faith community were very important to her. Her life had changed because of the death of her husband. She had no financial support, and as Jesus observed, she was down to her last two coins, down to her last two coins, and she could have chosen to put one of those coins in that trumpet and kept the other one. But what she do? She dropped both of those coins into the trumpets. I assume this is one reason that Jesus was so hard on the religious leaders of that day because they were to take care of the widows. The prophets had said that was their job. They were to take care of the widows. They were supposed to have concern for them. They were supposed to take them. That was one of their primary duties, according to the prophets. They were to shelter them under their wings, and they were to help them. But what was happening, the religious leaders were ignoring their responsibilities and making life harder on the widows by taking their homes. It is not written in this passage of Scripture, but this widow may very well have been one of the ones that was out on the streets. They may have taken home. The scripture doesn't say that, but it is very possible since they were taking the homes of the widows. And it's ironic that she gave her last penny to support the work of the leaders who entrusted who were entrusted to do that who were entrusted to take care of her. She gave that last penny, even knowing the things that they had done. There were many things this widow probably had to give up, but you know what she was not willing to give up? She was not willing to give up her faith. She was not willing to give up her faith community. She probably had nothing left after that but herself to offer. And I feel certain that she would continue to do so because her faith and her faith community were too important to abandon them. She was genuine in her intent, and she was generous with what she had. Now, what, where does generosity begin? Generosity begins with humility. And I think Jesus noticed her humility that day. Her generosity grew out of her love for God. Our generosity grows out of our love for God. And generosity grows out of thankfulness as well. And I think while she had nothing left, I believe that she was thankful to be able to give something out of her grateful heart. So the next question is, is why did Jesus single her out to his disciples and I believe that Jesus was very impressed with her humility. It was such a contrast to the greedy religious leaders that she was ad supporting. She was absolutely supporting them with the money that she had given that day. And I believe he was impressed of her purity of heart. She had a pure heart. And perhaps it encouraged him, maybe, I don't know, but perhaps it encouraged him on his journey that he would be facing in the next few days. And it perhaps helped him be faithful on the way to the cross. The scripture does not mention this, but I can't help but believe that it gave him more courage to face destiny, realizing that how the faith community would be impacted by the sacrifice that he was about to make. Why did Mark include this story in his book? We may not ever know the reason, but I believe he included it, this story to encourage and to inspire others to be at, as faithful and generous as this poor widow was. If you look back at it and look back at the time that Mark was writing, life was tough for Mark's readers. They were living under Nero's reign of terror, and it was frightening, and they were being treated with disrespect by the religious leaders of that day, and it was very discouraging for them. Mark did not want them to abandon their faith, nor did he want them to quit practicing it. They needed God, and we need each other more than ever. We need it today. They needed each other, and they needed to be together just as we do today. It's not a time to withdraw and become isolated, but to remain engaged and to remain faithful. And Mark understood this, and he reminded them by including this in his book. And as I think about the widow today, I believe that she saw this giving with others and adding her small contribution to theirs as an act of worship that she was unwilling to give up. It was an act of worship that she was unwilling to give up. And it didn't matter how poor she was. It did not matter to her. She had nothing. And she didn't ask for an exemption. 
She needed to be part of this act of worship, and she needed to be part of the community of faith, just as we all do, being able to come together and to share our burdens and to share our prayers for one another and to share in the giving and to share uh, in the missions that we all uh, participate in. We need that. It's not a time to isolate. It's not a time to abandon. It's a time to pull together and to be together. I've been a person of faith for many years. Has my journey been perfect? Absolutely not. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. But I've been on this journey for many years and part of churches that have enabled me to practice my faith. And I'm sure all of you can say the same. You've been part of churches or a church that has allowed you to practice your faith. I learned a long time ago, and Todd says it just about every week, we're not a perfect church. The church is not perfect. It was not in Mark's day, and it will not be in ours as well. There will always be people who will try to steal your joy, much like the religious leaders and teachers in Jesus' day. And as in the secular world, people become power hungry and they focus on themselves, losing sight of how important faith and the community of faith really is. Unfortunately, some of the most irregular people, there's a book entitled Irregular People. I would encourage you to read it. We all have irregular people in our lives and sometimes we're the irregular one. So, and we have to remember that. Um, but uh, I've, unfortunately, some of the most irregular people I've met have been in church. And how sad that is to those who are outside the church looking in, those who are looking for hope in the only place that they can find hope. And they see, they see what goes on. They need to be able to see that the faith community offers something different than the world offers. They need to be able to see that. Now, on a more positive note, more often than not, in the church of faith community, I've met some of the greatest people who have demonstrated great faith and who have understand, understood the importance of faith community and the hope that it can offer to us. They understand how important the church is in helping people practice their faith. And we need each other to encourage, to support, to pray for, and to pray with, and to walk beside in this journey. The only power in the faith community is God himself. That's the only power. And outside of family, the relationships I have developed and cultivated in church have been the most meaningful in my life. None greater than here at the Forbes over these last 16 years. None greater than that. I love those relationships that we've developed. We've sung the songs of faith together in worship. We've learned life's most valuable lessons in Bible study. We've worked together to meet the needs of the people in our community and beyond. We've laughed together and we've cried together and we've received grace in the most trying times of our lives. I cannot imagine not being involved in a church and in a faith community. I will continue to invest my life and my resources in the work of the church. My parents did, my children do, my brothers and sisters do, and our extended, extended family does as well. And we will too. What about you today? What about you today? Are you going to continue to invest your life in the faith, in your faith and in your faith community? I hope so, because life, life is not good without that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we have to find it. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to be irregular at times. But God is there to pick us up. And he's there to love us. And he gives us our communities of faith to lift us up in those times. And you have done that so well. As I've observed you over these 16 years, you have done that so well. Todd has done that so well. And uh, what an encouragement that is to me as I've moved to a different phase in my life here in a few weeks. And I will, I will always remember the great people 
that I have met here at the Forks over these 16 years, how much they've meant to me, how much they've prayed for us, how much they've lifted us up, and uh, it, I cannot tell you what that means. And I hope that you are finding that as well, and I hope you'll continue, continue to uh, foster that and continue to learn and grow and support one another in this faith journey. I pray that that is your prayer today. Join me as we pray. Lord, thank you so much for the people that you place in our paths. The people who encourage us, the people who love us even when we're unlovable, the people who pray for us, the people who are just willing just to walk beside us in this journey. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your love to us and we thank you that we do have a faith and a faith community that we can learn more about you and learn more about how you uh, love us and how much you love us and how much you care for us and most of all, Father, for the hope, the hope that you give us. Thank you for that. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice today that does not have that faith journey, that doesn't understand it, I pray that you will work in their hearts and put people in their paths that can help them understand how important it is. There may be some here today who are hurting and just need a special touch of your hand. And Father, we just lift them up to you at this moment as we're praying. And I just pray that uh, if there are those, again, who do not know you, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Again, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you for your forgiveness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know how God has worked in your heart this week or today. But if you're here today and you do not know him, it's our greatest pleasure to introduce him to you and tell you how you can come to know him and join us on this faith journey. If you're here today and you don't have a church home and, and the Lord is leading here, we'd love to welcome you today. I don't know what your decision is, but we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Todd's going to be standing down front. We invite you to join us. Stand and join us as we sing together today.
Today I am so thrilled to introduce to you this fine young man who comes making his public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Sean, come up here beside me if you would. So thankful today that Sean Suddeth comes praying, asking Jesus Christ to come into his heart to be his Lord and Savior. We are so very proud of you. This is the greatest decision that any of us could ever make when we ask Jesus to come into our hearts because this is for eternity. And we just love the fact that you have chosen at an early age to be on God's team. And I know you want to support Sean and his newfound faith by letting it be known by saying amen, amen, and applause. We welcome you. And I'm going to ask Sean and his family, if you don't mind, after the service to join us in the foyer so people can come by and hug your neck and give you a high five or fist bump you or whatever they want to do. Would that be okay? Yeah. Okay, good deal. If y'all don't mind, be seated right now. But today is a special day, and I certainly want to thank Bill for doing a great job this morning and, and reminding us the importance of having a a sincere, humble faith, and how important the faith community is, and how important that we uh, show that love and kindness to one another, and um, often think about, you know, and I say it many times, that uh, this is not a club for the righteous, but it's a field hospital for the sin, sick, and hurting. Uh, we are all irregular people. Bill said, I'm the most irregular pastor he's ever worked with, I'm sure. <laughs> But I am so grateful for God's mercy and grace, aren't you? Aren't you grateful for God's grace? Because it covers a multitude of our sin, and I'm so grateful for that grace that he shows us. And today is a special time as we gather around the, the Lord's table. Uh, we're going to take communion together today. And let me just share with you, if you're here, and you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and you are a, a believer, a follower of Jesus, you're invited to partake. Um, we welcome those of you, maybe from other denominations. The important thing is, is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. We want you to know Jesus. And if you know him today, we're going to invite you to share with us in just a moment. But I want to share a passage of Scripture found today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hear these beautiful words. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink the cup. When it says examine ourselves, I'm thinking that our hearts need to be right with God, that our hearts need to be pure. And we all are sinners, all of us, every single one of us. But in order for our hearts to be right, we have to ask God to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us, to purify us. And he does that. And then that our hearts and minds will be focused on him and and I, I didn't even realize we were going to sing Jesus paid it all, but that's what I was thinking today. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow, and he forgives us. And today, when you came in, you should have received a, a communion cup. And uh, before we take of the bread, I'm going to invite you to go to the Lord in prayer with me. May we pray Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus into the world because Jesus did pay it all. 
And how could we ever thank you enough but to live out our faith in a humble, genuine, authentic way, the words we speak, the actions, Father, and the way in which we live our lives, may it point others to the hope we have in you. We pray, O oh God, today that as, you, as we take this bread, that we would ask you to bless it, Father, and we just thank you for giving, again, your life on the cross so that we might have life and life everlasting. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, whenever you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And after they ate the bread, they took the cup. I'm going to invite you to go to the Lord in prayer with me once again. Father, we know this cup represents your blood that was shed for us for the remission of our sins. Again, that your blood, your love covers a multitude of our sins. And God, I pray that if there's anything in our hearts and lives that are not pleasing to you, glorifying to you, that you would remove it, oh God. Forgive us, cleanse us, purify us, that our hearts would be right with you. Until we get our hearts right with you, Lord, our hearts are not going to be right with others. So I pray, God, you would forgive me because I want my heart to be right with you. Lord, that my heart would be right toward others. Lord, there's some people here today I know struggling. Help them, oh God. May they know they're not alone. May they know that you love them regardless of their sin. But because of what you did for us, may we be challenged, inspired to repent, to turn away from the things that we know are not in line with your word and that we would strive to live a holy life set apart different. So God, as we take this cup, may we remember the ultimate sacrifice that you made and may we forever be grateful. Bless the cup in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, whenever you drink this cup, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to thank you again for being here this morning, allowing the Holy Spirit to be here, and special thank you to Bill again for, for doing a beautiful job. I so appreciate his willingness to, to speak and appreciate you being here and allowing the Spirit of God. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Don't forget tonight our discipleship classes will be rolling as well as uh, Coffee and Connections with Kelly and me in the Children's Wing. We invite you to come join us at 6 o'clock. We also are trying to, if you haven't already heard from, if you signed up for a table group, you're going to be contacted soon. If you have not already heard from, if you've already been meeting in a table group, praise the Lord. Uh, some thought maybe you weren't going to be able to keep your same group. We want you to continue to fellowship and grow in the Lord together. And then Wednesday night, we have a great time. If you've never been on Wednesday, we have a great meal provided by Family Affair Caterers, good food, good fellowship, and at 6 o'clock we come up and we pray. We have a prayer meeting. We have a, a short devotion, and then we pray, and that's what prayer meeting is supposed to be. And then who can tell me what next Sunday is? Big True Gladness. Next Sunday, what about let's fill this place for two services, 8.30 and 11, invite unchurched friends, school classmates, teammates. 
Let's have a wonderful day next, next Sunday as we have two great services. And then I forgot, don't forget, on Saturday is our annual craft fair. And so that's going to be over in the Cross Center, I think, 9 to 3, something like that. And come and be a part of great fellowship there. It's going to be a great weekend. You don't want to miss it. But right now, I'm going to invite you to stand. And thank you for being here. Know how much that I and we love you and how much God loves you. And I'm going to invite the Suddeth family to join me out in the foyer. And then, Bill, thank you. Lead us in a closing song. Lady, how are you? May we pray, oh God, it's that bond of love, our love of Jesus that keeps us together. And may we go from this place today, God, encouraged to live out our faith and to show that love to others. In Jesus' name, amen.